The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, sitting in the visiting coaches booth above Rainy Mountaineer Field in Morgantown, West Virginia, has ended a nine-game losing streak against Oklahoma, a three-game losing streak in the 2022 season. Um, Chris Anderson, I welcome you in. I ask you this. Um, a lot of people thought that today might mark the end of an era. And were they wrong? The end of the JT Daniels era? Right. We, we definitely have maybe the dawn of the new era here. Maybe not the one that people suspected, predicted, and perhaps even hoped for when they woke up this morning. But it does seem that a quarterback change is afoot right now. Well, I mean, let, uh, obviously it's going to be a, a big part of our discussion on this podcast, this postgame podcast from that game. But let's let's start where it ended here. Um, not with one of the grittiest final drives I can remember by a single player but rather the post-game comments because, you know, a coach says something. Our job is to put it up, but our job is also to try to, as much as they sometimes hate it, interpret what those words are and mean, if anything. And after the game, you jumped right in, Mike, and said, you know, asked. He made a choice. New quarterback change next week. You know, was it? Tried to get the lowdown on that. And... Brown kind of didn't answer, but does it matter? Have you been to the dentist before? <laughs> you have, I have. Right? Yes. Have you ever had a cavity? I have not, actually. Oh, so. well, let me tell you about cavities. Okay. Um, there is a stark difference when you come out of the dentist and they say, come back in, you have to have a cavity filled. And when you go to the dentist and they say, all clear, see you in six months. Mm-hmm. Because... When you leave the dentist the one day, you have to look forward to the next time you go in very soon to have that cavity filled. And that's not a pleasant experience. Um, happens a couple times. You learn to brush and floss more often, maybe throw in some mouthwash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that time that you walk out of the dentist and they say, hey, all good. Different outcome, Chris. Feels really good. And you don't say, you know what I really want? Some candy bars. Let me nom on some Twizzlers. Give me those peanut M&Ms, and then I'm going to go do this for a period of time before my next visit to the dentist because I really enjoyed the drill, the pick, the whistle, all that stuff. No one does that. They like it when they say, keep taking care of your teeth. You're doing fine. We'll see you in a couple of months, and hopefully it's uneventful. I can't believe that you're rushing back into the chair saying, 
numb me, Doc. Uh, drill me with the uh, kind of intrusive <laughs> instruments that I just don't care for and I never want to encounter. And that's why I don't look forward to coming here. That, that kind of seems like what I had been like here for a while. And all of a sudden, a totally different outcome. I can't imagine that you want to experience something different. So why would you do what led you down the old path? That was a very, very detailed way of saying you do not think JT Daniels is going to be quarterback next week. Oh, that's somebody with some thoughts on that. Okay. Okay. Um, I would be very surprised, and I don't know if disappointed is the right word. It just wouldn't make sense to me because let's let's be honest. Um, things swirling around the program pretty frequently, and I would say maybe more outside in than before. When you have a national reporter from ESPN doing a stand-up before the game saying that the coach and the athletic director are in trouble, all of a sudden this isolated thing has become much larger in scope and scale. To win, to beat a team you would never beaten, to give yourself a chance for at least another week to stay alive, to make it very hard to fire you today when maybe the dominoes were set up for you to fall, I don't know how, if people are looking for progress, you can regress. I'm with you. I think a lot of what he said in the postgame, just saying, you know, he's not going to make a decision right now. If he does, it would be, you know, midweek, basically, when they start their game planning for next week. And then even then, he might not say something publicly. Um, I very rarely, if ever, buy the, we're trying to play it cool, so they have to game plan for two guys or the other guy. I, I don't buy that, like, at all. Um, other teams are smart, too. They're not falling for that. But I think this was just the case, his post-game comments of he didn't want to make this huge, big deal out of it, and the fact that he didn't want to make a big, huge deal out of it made a deal out of it. <laughs> because I don't know if you've checked the board. I know, like, you know, Neil Brown does his press. For those who don't know, Neil Brown does his press conference. I start writing a story, and Mike's still there in the media room getting ready to talk to uh, players after Neil Brown. So I get to enjoy all that comes with the message board after every game. Hmm. And I posted that story, and a lot of people lost their minds, like on, on our Facebook, on our Twitter, on our message boards. Like, hey, no, no, there is no more discussion. It's green. I agree with that. I just think Neil Brown was trying not to make a big deal out of it, but the fact that he didn't make a big deal out of it made a big deal out of it, if you catch my drift there. Blame the media. Yep. Had to ask. I mean, I've already just... got I've already got one of those messages in. Oh, don't really? Try to make, don't try to make Neil Brown look like that. Not from anybody, not any P, capital P people, just from a fan. Um telling me that we were making a big deal out of it making making a big deal out of a, a mid-game quarterback change that resulted in the first win over oklahoma in a decade was okay it warranted right <laughs> yeah like that seems noteworthy uh, when that happens for a team that you're covering but yeah uh, whatever i think it's a logical question because let's let's be honest one yeah the outcome is different but the results on the offense and the drives were different too and what what two things that I mean one they really leaned into the possibility he was going to play a lot this week and we thought maybe Daniels wasn't affected maybe he wasn't healthy he didn't look great in the first half here either it wasn't surprising that Daniels took a seat and Green came in when Green came in at the end of the first half Chris um, and if we're talking about progress instead of regress what happened last week they let Daniels finish the first half he got a touchdown it was fool's gold it was going poorly in the first half here. 
clearly they had to do something to get the offense going and to you know see if some things would work. I think before you go winning a workshop at halftime and they put Green in and it's a touchdown drive, they were not um, going to repeat the mistake that I'm not going to say it cost them last week, but they kept them from escaping last week with a win or a different outcome or a more promising performance. They were not going to be repeating that mistake. They didn't. Kudos to them. That's why I just can't think that this doesn't go forward with the change because they were probably already talking themselves into it, and it was on a platter for them today, and it worked out perfectly. Um, question now, the one thing he did want to commit to was playing both quarterbacks next week. How on earth do you slip JT Daniels into the flow of a game? I have no clue. No clue at all. I mean, that's not like a red zone guy, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe third series of the first half and see what happens. But even if he's good, what? Like, that's it? Just, like, break the glass in case of emergency? I mean, maybe if you're down by 15 and you need a couple points, sure. I, I just don't know. Like, it's, I don't think it's a rotation thing or anything like that. I wonder if Green doesn't get the chance to go and start and finish what he starts next week. I mean, this goes back to what we were saying last year, even when it was coming down to Green and Daigie and they were doing the third drive with the Green. It's it just that whole throw them in for one drive, see what happens thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It, it, it either throws the other guy off or it's not enough time for the first guy or maybe the first guy gets something going and then that's, you know, then he gets thrown out of his rhythm or the guy you bring in off the bench, he's cold and it's terrible or he strikes hot with just one drive and then you're thinking it's going to repeat, but it doesn't. It's just not, it, it's not winning football to be trying to rotate quarterbacks around you. Pick one and go with it. And I think it was, I mean, it was a good decision. Like it was the most obvious decision for green to come out and start the second half. It wasn't, I don't even think it was a choice. Like you had to do it. Um, I'm sure those conversations are tough. Everybody wants to play. You brought Daniels in here to be your starter. You told him he was going to be the guy that's going to make you a 10-win team. And you're, you know, three and six with him as the starting quarterback. And he started today, but was, again, like I said, not great. Uh, struggled, had some plays. I mean, there was one that really just sticks in my mind where I think it was third and seven, third and long, and he rolled out to the right and pray there cut back towards the middle and sat right in the open spot in the zone was wide open directly on the first down line. And Daggy or Daggy, God, Daniels threw it right at his feet. And it was like, wow, that, I mean, one, the throw is bad, but then you look at Prather and Prather just had this look of apathy on his face of just like, what am I, what am I supposed to do with this? And just kind of, he didn't even get upset. Like he didn't even get mad. He didn't, you know, a lot of times when you see that, you see quarterbacks yell at the receiver, the receiver yell at the quarterback, or throw their hands up or something. And he just kind of walked off and was just like, yep, that was that. And it was like, man, that's that's not good. And it was something I took note of at the time. And um, But then you see Green come in. And again, we don't know if this was a lift, but you mentioned this in the post game, uh, last game. Well, put Green in there. See what happens. See if that changes the offense. See if that changes the attitude of the people around him on offense pray there yeah. ended up with a pretty good game like all yeah, of a sudden you, one guy he, who woke up it looked like yeah like he like again apathetic like just completely done and in another world and then all of a sudden was just like a, a game changer for them crazy how that works huh mm-hmm. credit them make the change you go into halftime with a totally different mood I would say even then last week, never mind what it could have been if they had gone down 10 nothing at the half. 10-7 is totally different. 10-7 last week, 
and I can't imagine that the the moods could have been more different than that. So that's good. What was interesting though, have you heard Green's post game? I have not. They didn't tell him he was starting the second half until right before kickoff. I don't know if you saw it up in the press box, but they showed it on TV. JT Daniels was standing right there next to the huddle with his helmet on too, ready to go. Him and Green both. So, I mean, I would guess the coaches got together a little bit and got into the Garrett Green plays. It's a very different offense. Like, you watch the offense in the second half. I mean, they're running counter plays that, I mean, you're not going to call them with Daniels, obviously, for quarterback stuff. But I can't remember them doing all that counter stuff in the first half with Daniels with the running backs, too. So, some type of different packages there, too. Um, listen, Brown promised an entertaining brand of football. Sometimes I just don't know, like, again, just what, what do those words mean? I think it's a good thing to get fans out, but whatever. But they, this is not entertaining, but they did change the pictures. They moved people around. They were constantly in motion, shifting formations. They had guys all over the line of scrimmage in different spots. It wasn't the same over and over and over. That succeeded at least in implementation, execution, hard to say. But, again, everything just looks better because – Ball goes in, Chris. I mean, the ball moves when he's in there. It's a small sample, I guess, but you put him in because he's a guy who can get you something with um, his legs in the running game or as a receiver. When you have him at quarterback, it's a different level of potential for the offense. There's something there with him across all of the different levels here, I think. And the consistent thing is, whatever capacity he's in, something positive seems to happen. We never witnessed it on the scale before today, but I would think that's redemptive results for them. So, I, I, again, it's not even a comment to me. I think it's going to change, obviously. A question had to be asked. I don't think that he could have given a better or necessarily worse answer. The answer is just the answer, but kind of kind of is what it is there, too. Can we discuss the beginning of the game or before the game, before we go anywhere, just to paint the picture here? Go for it. Um, Pete Thamel? Mm-hmm. Very plugged in. Has my respect, has respect to many reporters. Says that no decision has been made on Neil Brown, but if he doesn't make it, maybe Shane Lyons doesn't make it. We'll get into that maybe at the end of the podcast, but that really makes the backdrop even bigger, darker than it seemed like before, too. Now let's flash forward to the finish here. What, if anything, changes? Because West Virginia is now still bowl eligible and has the all-elusive win against the Sooners. And by the way... Got something going to quarterback, maybe. Okay, let's start at the beginning because what he said was not anything like wild. It wasn't anything that we haven't actually said also. But what was the first thing I said to you when we saw that piece on game day when one of our national desk guys at 24-7 uh, wrote the story about it, and I sent you the link. I said, if, if Tamil's getting it and he's mentioning it, it's moving closer to the finish line. It, it just feels like... It, it's he doesn't start talking about it unless somebody's ready for it to be done i feel mm -hmm. like um and so it was very notable to me even if it wasn't anything new um it was very notable that he was saying it because he is very plugged in and when people want things known outside of say morgantown not not to denigrate ourselves here but, you know, when they want it known outside of the West Virginia University market and on a national level, sometimes it gets leaked to people like that. And so the fact that he was talking about that on college game day meant something to me. It should mean something to a lot of people. Um, fast forward to the end. 
the game result, and what's next. I don't know if anything changes for me because I don't. We discussed this after last week's game. They win three in a row and get to six and six. So what? Mm-hmm. What is so drastically better than this? Than than you know going four and eight, six and six. Who cares? It's not what it w- was supposed to happen this year. And something I mentioned in the second quarter. So we went beginning and now in the middle here. I think uh, Green had one drive and it was good. It was a, I think it ended up in a punt, but they started on their own 10-yard line, got like 50 yards before a false start and a negative play. Mm-hmm. But I said, this is a no-win for, for Neil Brown because either, you know, Green stinks and Daniel stinks or whatever, nothing happens, the offense doesn't get going, and that's bad. Or Green comes in, looks amazing, offense gets moving, and everybody asks, why has Green not been playing? He's been on your roster for three years now, has lost. I mean, he's been involved in five, six different quarterback battles and lost every time. And the guy <laughs> he's lost to every time has been ultimately been benched later and or transferred out. Like, that's also not great. So, I don't know, Mike. There, There is a lot to process right now. Uh, with this whole situation. It may be relevant, too. They have to win out. Brown's not won three in a row before. And I know that people want to throw the parade now and, and, and crown green. He's 12 of 22 today. Up the middle, he had some pressure. Oklahoma was not prepared for the way he ran. You could tell by the way they tried to, you know, just force him outside, which isn't the best thing, I think, when your guy's running around out there. It looked like to me. Um, that may have also just worked in in the favor of West Virginia's attack, and especially where they had some plays schemed up for Oklahoma. But anyways, you're going to give Kansas State a lot of time to prepare. That's a much better defensive team than Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma State, not good defensively. They they just kind of seem like they might be broken by the, the weight of the season right now. But well-coached team has had West Virginia's number two. Can, can he do this twice in a row? Don't know. So who knows? If this ends up five and seven, if this ends up four and eight, we may be having very different conversations. Uh, last week, Brown made the the hard thing easy with the way they played and did not perform against Iowa State. This week, he he made the easy thing harder, which is good for him. That's kind of like, again, that's his job at this point is to keep his job good for him. We'll see what happens. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Into the game, Chris. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Wow. It really felt like they could have had their way in this game. The the pick play touchdown on third and one. They're running all over West Virginia. Um, was it third and one or fourth and one? Fourth and one? Yeah. Yeah. Fourth and one? No, it was th- it was third down. 
Okay. It yeah, was third right. down. Anyways, yeah, the, I think we're, we're starting to sound like those uh, remote announcers right now. I know. When I was here, <laughs> looking at my notes, I can't find it. I'm scrambling. But anyways, no, it was the third play. It was a pretty obvious pick play, too. I thought they might call it targeting, too, because the guy launched into Aubrey Burks, too, right? Like a 30-yard penalty. Who knows? But to run the ball, Gray is going to end up with over 200 yards. You can kind of tell that's going that way in the first half. And they end up having to kick a field goal there. I don't know why they were kicking field goals in the situations they did in the other direction. They just some bad, I don't know, just bad management stuff. And the big, the big, big play of the game. There's, there's many to me, but the fourth and fifteen that they jump off sides, the interception in the end zone doesn't count. It's a free play. Sam James gets called for a personal foul. They pick up. West Virginia gets a break there. Then it's fourth and ten. Then Green finds Prather. Prather again, good finish to the game. But that seemed like a significant moment to me. But it's also probably indicative of a team that's not very good. And we talked about the West Virginia rake moments before. Man, did Oklahoma find some situations to do that today? Offensively, never got untracked. Gray was great. Uh, the passing game. Marvin Mims had a rough day. I know we had the one long play. Um, to set up a touchdown too, but I would say at least two other plays could have been touchdowns, maybe three, depending on who mm-hmm. the fault lies with on one of the throws. But for three, a better pass catch operation, they're touchdowns. They're touchdowns against a team that is willing and able to give them up. It just wasn't there. They were not impressive offensively. Defensively, didn't seem like they made great adjustments. Short yardage and offense, I looked like West Virginia knew what was coming and all those downs and distances. My point being, you can't be surprised with the record based on what you saw today. And I just don't understand the field goals, especially late in the game. Their decision-making was. I, Ooh, okay, go ahead. I like Oklahoma's here. I, Cause they just do not seem like a good team. Uh, as you know, like, I mean, just several plays where they just drop one. They just, they had, I think, right, three, four, five, somewhere in there, like all in the first half of plays that could have been touchdowns. Just wide open receivers streaking down the field, and it was either a bad pass, a drop pass, or a miscommunication, something. One of the three, and, and it was all of the three. It wasn't just one of them, um, and they just couldn't get it going. But you, I, you're watching it, and you're thinking, man, when Oklahoma runs the ball or they do the little quick passes outside, don't no no just no five step drops and pocket passer Dylan Gabriel, those plays aren't working. Like just run and throw quick hits outside. They were killing West Virginia. Go tempo, run, run, run. Quick hit outside, quick hit outside, run inside, go go go. And it worked. And I'm looking at their stats right now. This is from uh, GameOnPaper.com. They keep up with like EPA estimated points per mm-hmm. attempt. Um, as the game is going on, their EPA per drop back was negative 0.32. <laughs> on rushes was a positive 0.2, which is good. Like they're let's for for West Virginia, it was EPA for drop back of a 0.05, and a lot of that was because it was a drop back before Green scrambled, and West Virginia was negative 0.03 on the rushes. So just kind of like right in the middle, while. Oklahoma was excellent running the ball and horrendous whenever Gabriel kind of dropped back and was a pocket passer. And for some reason, they just kept dropping it back, just kept dropping it back. And I I get it. You know, everybody's been picking apart West Virginia's secondary. That's fine. But the other team's weakness isn't a weakness if you can't take advantage of it. And Oklahoma couldn't take advantage of it that often. And and so they, if they had just been like, hey, 
we're doing nothing but runs up the middle. I'm doing read option, and it's either a run up the middle or a quick hit to a receiver screen and nothing else. I think they could have scored 30 points and just run it up and down the field. They ran the ball very well at the middle, which teams are prone to do, though. Sometimes you can split West Virginia's B-gap and then just have the middle of the field to yourself. The, the mic and the wheel get fanned out, and there's a huge gap in between the hashes. Also, vertical passes up the middle are very effective against West Virginia. Uh, they shot the moon a couple times today, but mostly up the rail. And then the one time I thought they had, actually two times, I thought they had balls in the middle of the field. I think they were both the Mims, actually, and they were part of the three could have been touchdowns. And that was about it. And they never used it. They never put Braden Willis up the seam. I thought that would have been like an easy thing for them to do. I'm just curious if they had a do-over, how much they would actually do differently here. That's that's a good offensive team, I think, on in maybe in better conditions. That just didn't seem like it was pointed the right way today. West Virginia's defense has some success. Again, um, not very good as a rush defense. Situationally prevailed in some big spots and big moments, encouraging you know decisions for field goals, for example, um, making them maybe get away from a run play on third and one. They had, a, I think, a TFL or no game before they threw that pick play in the end zone that got called back. Some of that is West Virginia's doing on defense. You can go back now for... You'd mentioned, what, 10 of 12 quarters the offense hadn't been good. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that it's acquitted today, although Green does help them out a lot in the second half. What's the run for good defense now? Because you really can't blame the defense for everything that happened in the Iowa State game. Fourth quarter, bad. Don't get me wrong there. This is, a again, Oklahoma's offensive exploits are pretty good, and you factor in you know, six quarters without their starting quarterback and really a one-dimensional offense, and they're pretty highly ranked in a lot of areas. And, again, the weather, the conditions helped today, but West Virginia's defense wasn't bad. So four quarters today, three against Iowa State, two against TCU. You're talking better than half of the past three games. Our defense has been, I mean, never mind better than it had been, but I would say serviceable. It would be the, would be the ceiling, wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Excuse me, wait a minute. No, no, the basement. <laughs> well, I'm with you because your overall point, basement, ceiling, whatever, I, I, I skipped that word, but – I was thinking the defense has been was very good today because they had at one point it was and it, it got it had that feeling of the Iowa State game because for the first four drives they held Oklahoma scoreless on the first six drives they'd only given up three points and then on the very next drive Oklahoma went four plays ninety six yards mm-hmm. and I think I even put it in our our VIP thread on the board I said make note of this, you know, is this where the dam breaks? Is this kind of like the end of the Iowa State game where they played excellent for three quarters and then just the offense couldn't do anything, so they they stretched themselves too thin and and just kept trying and trying and tried almost too hard and cost themselves. Um, there weren't as many uh, drives in the second half, but you look at it to- in total, the uh, Oklahoma, the, the Sooners had 12 drives, and West Virginia's defense gave up 17 points, mm-hmm. 18, 18 points, excuse me, because they got two-point first. Now they got 20, but that was because of the blocked extra point, which they returned. But on 12 drives, they gave up 18 points. Yeah. I, I mean, you take that every single week. Um, and, and again, they, did it, they played winning defense, and they played winning special teams, and they played winning offense for – quarter and a half and that was enough that was enough today uh, Oklahoma was averaging 3.05 points per drive against the FBS that was number 15 in the country West Virginia was allowing 3.15 that was number 124 in the country 
We do the math in my head, Chris. Uh, 18 points and 12 drives. Uh, One and a half. Not very good, right? And then a kudos to West Virginia. Some uh, you, you can add on here, too. Uh, Sam James played, I would say, one of his best games. I know he had a huge game against Texas Tech many years ago. Um, I just look at the impact he had on special teams with the fake punt. The kickoff return at the end of the first half was a uh, shorter field for Garrett Green. It kind of gave everybody some momentum to go there. The fake punt's as big of a play as maybe Neil Brown has had. And, and James is involved in both of them. And after that, you have the big catch on second and 15 when – it looked like maybe a first and 20 would be too much to start the fourth quarter. Can continually got out of trouble or got in a good spot because of James. And then people are very hard on Brian Palindi and Traylon Davis this year. They had terrific games today blocking them in the lead, out on the edge. They really kind of created extra gaps to the running game. Um, they were they were good today. Anybody else that you think's in need of some mention here? I'm glad you mentioned Palindi and Traylon Davis because, yeah, they they have had some rough games and they've you know, have been brought up on this podcast. They've been brought up in the report cards. I don't know what the report cards going to say. I don't know what the scouts are going to say, but it felt like they had a positive impact today. Um, with that, I, I like it's not even a question for me. Um, Jasir Cox. Mm. I mean, I think there was a stretch there where I kind of didn't hear his name, but at the beginning of the game, every other play, I felt like he was involved. Um, and then he ends the game with 12 tackles, nine of them solo. Uh, X Ray Low was another guy I felt did an excellent job of helping keep contain um, on on Gabriel. You know, I, I don't know if it was his responsibility all the time of spying Gabriel when he was dropping back, but I felt like there were a lot of times where he, Gabriel tried to get out and run, and Low was one of those first guys that was there to kind of help uh, help contain him. And uh, like you said, yeah, big day for Sam James, kind of all around. He was he was on punt coverage, uh, mm-hmm. great job on the fake punt couple big catches so yeah nice day for him uh sean martin two sacks i, I felt like he was disruptive uh, on on some key plays so yeah problem solved yeah done and done it's like, all good mm-hmm. everything is everything is rosy in morgantown now yeah. just credit west virginia for getting the game into the into the ditch they they realized that they weren't going to win a track meet here and then decided not to even engage in it especially once they made the when, once they made the quarterback change, they ran the ball 53 times. Chris, I think I said in the preview podcast they ran it 40, 42, 45 times. They'd be tickled. Uh, I don't know what's above tickling, but it's happening right now because they were again very happy to do that. Um, and then if we go above tickling, I'm going to have to put a, a PG 13 rating on this podcast, mm-hmm. Mike. Sorry. Let's um let's end with this if you don't mind. Um, go for it. Last week we said, oh, we're going to be busy tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. At least pursuing the possibility of news never mind news but like just there was a possibility for sure i don't think that there's any question that's not the case right now um i'm not saying that's not the case two weeks from now but like i don't think you're gonna have anything tomorrow so or monday for that matter too so brown barring a sudden and extreme surprise will be the head coach at home saturday against a ranked kansas state team it's hard to not bookend our conversation with what is on the other side of the bookcase which is with the espn note here too the inclusion of Lions in the conversation. Um, I, again, I just don't know how he's not in the scope, too. I wrote this last week in the three things. Um, if you were anticipating any type of a move or a declaration even last week, of we'll evaluate at the end of the season or no, he's our guy. Anything from the athletic director. And there's nothing that might not be his call, you know. There's that whole thing about, like, you can't fire me, I quit. Or there's also the thing, like, you can't fire that guy because you're not going to be here, too. 
I'm not saying those are things that happen, but like you have to think of it that way. And for people who thought this was a quiet week and that maybe social media got this wrong, maybe the reporters got this wrong. Uh-uh. Things happened. I'm just I'm telling you, things happen. These are not recent conversations. These aren't things that just happened and all of a sudden they're like, let's come back to it next week after the Oklahoma game. No, it's just something that's on the table all the time. The meal is always being served. And there's always people coming up with a fresh plate. They want to have something dished out to them so they can take it back and then answer questions that people ask them. That's a pretty common cycle in college sports, especially at this level. Which leads me to this. What now? Um, it's still going to happen. Like it's an evaluation. This is a, I hate it, but like data point, right? But everything matters in the end here. It's not just the, we mentioned this a long, long time ago, Chris, I think after the 0-2 start, it's not just 0-2. It's what are the academics like? What's the weight room like? What's the mood in the locker room like? What's fundraising like? What's recruiting like? From top to bottom, an evaluation of the program, you, you don't cut it off now much as you wouldn't have and they did not last week. It continues. It's fluid. There are some new variables this week, but what's on deck for us this week, Chris? What can we pull our hair out about in the next couple of days? I think for this goes higher, Mike, I think mm-hmm. is what I, I'm I, I'm wanting to say here because this is a mess. It is a confusing ridiculous mess of all of this whatever the end answer is it's you are putting yourself whoever like i don't know how high it goes like wherever this goes up to the top is top 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 decisions it's a mess because if you're making a change at athletic director you've now gone so far late in the game that you can't if you do that, you put yourself behind the eight ball unless you already have something lined up because you can't hire, you're going to tell yourself you're going to hire an athletic director and a new coach in three weeks, or you're going to hire a new athletic director, but the new athletic director is going to take over with the old athletic director's head coach who might be in, you know, is not going to get an extension. Like that's a recipe for disaster. Like every, every possible scenario that is out there right now is wrong is not the right way in and that's not on neil brown that's not you know parts of it might be on shane lyons but i think a lot of it's on the people above shane lyons and that's that's where this is this is just it shouldn't be in this scenario it shouldn't be coming down to what happens in these last couple games like you need to have a plan you need to know what's going on and it just doesn't seem like west virginia does and man got hey you know, maybe they do, and maybe there's just this grand plan that's going to come out of nowhere, and it's all going to work out rosy. But the scenarios that are in play, none of them end well in, in like 99 out of 100 scenarios. And, and that is, again, that is not on Neil Brown. That is maybe not even on Shane Lyons. I think it's above that, and and that's a problem. Yeah, this, these aren't things that happen in West Virginia. Um, like palace intrigue, yeah, that's one thing. But like the coup at the palace, that's that's something that's different sometimes too. So there's a lot of people involved in this, I'm sure, in the conversations and the execution of a plan. We'll see the formulation of a plan. Well, it all depends on what the plan is too. Chris, um, yeah, maybe they can't hire an athletic director and a football coach in a short amount of time. Maybe that's not the idea. So 
there's 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 a whole bunch of different ways to look at this. It's a Rubik's cube, man, and like there's a whole bunch. There's only there's like I guess there's how many sides in the Rubik's cube. There's <laughs> there's fewer than that many outcomes. Yeah. But if you just want one color, if you just want it to be blue, for example, since I'm staring at golden blue out here, um, you got to figure out how to move it so you get all the blue blocks on one spot. So what their picture is, I don't know right now. It could be one thing. It could be two things. Timing is a variable here. You never have enough time until you do. And I know that doesn't make sense, but, like, time is very fickle in college football. It just is. Like, for the, all the stuff you're talking about here, like, for recruiting purposes, for offseason, look at how screwed up the Kansas thing was when they got their football coach, like, before spring football. That mm-hmm. was, like, a, a just a total wash year for him. But that's not what you want to do, obviously. So you do have datelines and deadlines you have to, um, to, to adhere to. It's not the same world in college athletic directors, right? Because you can, you can do whatever you want. Granted, you'd have to probably get somebody on the ground before you hire somebody. But you're, you're talking about cart and horse here, too. And probably things that people need to pay attention to because those are the variables at play here all of a sudden. I shouldn't say all of a sudden, but more more publicly more known than before, I think, or more whispered about, never mind. I shouldn't say known, probably more whispered about, but those are the variables involved there too. So if you're looking for what you want to see, don't ignore what you do see because sometimes what you want to see isn't there and the answer is actually what you are looking at. It could be as simple as that. It's not very exciting. It might be. It might not be very complex, but it might be right in front of you too. So time will tell on that. Stay tuned, I would say. Speaking of, Chris... How do we wrap up the Oklahoma week and get ready for Kansas State? Well, if you are listening to this, you should be also checking out the site. Got a, a free story up with visitor reaction. Uh, several key recruits on campus weathering the storm, literally, and, and enjoying a game with a, a lot of positive feedback. Uh, we'll have a report card up tomorrow. The plays that changed the game are up there. Uh, unsurprisingly, several of those are Garrett Green runs. In... Um, yeah, we're going to have some more basketball stuff. Obviously, two more games again this week. So, yeah, going to be a pretty busy week. Recruiting, basketball, football, all the good stuff. Uh, snap counts, by the way, Charles Woods did not dress today. He's on the dress list. He was not in uniform. He is on four games. Asked about it after the game. Brown said that he was sick. And he's also working his way back from the leg injury. Okay. You already but, know my thoughts on this. Yeah, so you have forecasted that. He will probably redshirt. I yes, I, I I mean I think that was a plan. I think that's the plan. It makes sense to me. It made sense to me before. I thought he would take his time coming back from his ankle injury. So he's already proven me wrong once and, and came back from that that ankle surgery quick, uh, very quickly. So uh, he could prove me wrong, but it's just it's it makes a whole lot of sense of a guy that's played four games. I don't think he's improved his you know NFL viability with those four games. Um, so you can redshirt, get one more year, throw that on the NFL tape, and we'll see. Mm-hmm. Raleigh Collins, not in uniform. He started last week. He's on four games. I was told that he's not injured and that it's probably, probably to redshirt. Mumu bin Wahad, four games. He has been healthy for a while, I believe. He was in uniform today, didn't play. He's on four games. So those snap counts things, sometimes you think it's, oh, it's filler, and oh, it's just Mike being a numbers junkie. Yeah, but they also tell a story, too. And, and late on in the season, these are some stories to keep an eye on. Um, West Virginia, pretty, th- pretty thin at Spear without Collins. Uh, I don't think Nani Muhammad played Spear much at all today. They pretty much rotated 
Jasir Cox, he'd been a wheel. He played Spirit today. Started playing, I mean, most of the game, it felt like. Lowe played a ton, too. Lance Dixon got in a little bit. I think Lance Dixon might have played both positions, too. Um, so, again, they're thin on defense, but a good day for them. One of the many things we'll review as we wrap up an eventful week at Year Sports. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.